This message was recorded October 22, 2023. The speaker is David Simpson. Now, I trust your Bible is open to Ephesians chapter 2 as we continue on in our study. In our first hour, we began by speaking historically and theologically as to where this fits into thought. You should always know where you are. You cannot study these things too much, and yet you need to think about the Scriptures. But know that free will religion has its roots, and sovereign grace has its roots. And you are looking at the Scripture and deciding, where am I? What do I think? Where do I fit in? We are talking about the total inability, the total depravity of man. I prefer to speak of total inability because depravity, people don't really know what that means. But inability, we know what ability is. And inability means no ability. So I think when you put total inability together, we're getting closer maybe to thinking what we really mean. When Adam fell into sin, there were three things that happened. And they've always been true, even down to this day. And that is that there was a legal condemnation. That's the first thing. That's why there is a need for justification, because of this condemnation. Second of all, there was a moral corruption from within. And so that's why Jesus speaks of sin coming out of the heart in Mark 7. So it comes from within us. But then the third thing was a spiritual inability. And that spiritual inability is total. It's not partial. It is a total inability. So Paul uses the most dramatic term that he could to put this together. It's not long. There are only five things that he says to us. But that first one, I mean, how can it be worse than being dead? And yet, here he is, he's going to say more to us. He doesn't really talk about the fall of Adam, except when you come to the end of the third verse, it comes pretty close to talking and going back that far. But he doesn't actually say that, so we don't want to make him say something that he doesn't say. But I want you to look with me, please, at verse number 2 and verse number 3. And what he is describing is the way in which we live out this death. It's the way this death actually shows itself. So I want you to look with me, please, in verse... Let me read 2 and 3. Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air... The spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. What is it that Paul is saying to us? When it says, wherein, that's a little adverb, pot. And it refers to things in the past. So it was their word for something in the past. So wherein in time past is all one word in the original language. And it could be translated in which in the past. And he is referring to their lives prior to coming to Christ. 
And so you think about your life before coming to Christ and coming to the gospel, coming to understand who God is. And that's what he's talking about. Wherein in time past, wherein in the past you walked. That word walked is a word peripetuo. Peri means around, like perimeter. Patuo means to walk, so it's to walk around or to walk about. He's talking about the way you lived. He's talking about the conformity that you made to the world you were in, the way you conducted yourselves to walk about, to live in a certain way. And now he's going to describe how they walked about. So wherein, in the past, in which, in the past, you walked, you lived in a certain way. And you're going to see the little word according to. And he's going to repeat that phrase again. And according to is a preposition in which he is talking about the way in which you did something. So it could be according to or in accordance with. So wherein in time past you walked in accordance with the course of this world. What is he talking about the course of this world? Have you ever been in a race? And some of you may have run cross country. I didn't do that, but my brother did. And when we used to go watch him run, there would be a course that they would run. Or when we used to ride our bikes in the mountains, Michael, we would follow a course. And that course would be this way or that way. It'd be uphills or downhills and cross curves and cross rocks course. According to the course. And that word course is actually the word aeon. And the word aeon is the word for age or present age. So you walked according to the course or this present age. So he puts the word course and the word world together. The word world is cosmos. And that word refers to order. So girls, you know about cosmetology. Sometimes young people go to cosmetology school. And that they don't know they're talking Greek or doing something in the Greek world, but that came from there and it refers to order. So when you put comb your hair and you uh, do whatever you do to your face, uh, you're putting everything in order. You try to think about what goes with what. When I chose my clothes to wear this morning, uh, I was going to wear something brown, so I knew I needed brown pants. And so I looked at it and I thought probably be best if I wear a white shirt. And then I thought about the ties that I have. So I picked out an old tie. This tie's been around longer than most of you have been living. So it's an old tie, but I wanted to wear it. And so I did. I thought maybe it would go with that brown. I wasn't sure. Sometimes I'll ask Connie, does this go together? Today I didn't. But the, he's talking about something in order. He's talking about the world order. So he puts these two words together. They don't look like they quite go together, but they do. Course and world go together. He's talking about the present age. He's talking about the present world order. And putting these two words together, he's talking about everything that is hostile to God. He's talking about the practices and the customs 
the indulgences of men, the follies of the world, the philosophies, the values, and by all means the religion of the day. It's the mood and the immorality of the day, the course, the present age, the world, the cosmos, the present world order. Those two things meaning almost the same thing. And so he's talking about this death that we lived in in time past. We were alive, but we were alive in the course of this world. So like the prisoner who's in jail that can't get out, he can move around, but he can't escape. So we were locked into the course of this world. So you think it can't get any worse. I mean, my goodness, he's already talked about us being dead. And then he goes on and he says that we walked according to the course of this world. Can't get any worse, but it does. So again, he uses this preposition according to. So in accordance with the prince of the power of the air. Who is he talking about? What is he talking about? The word prince, Greek word is archon. And it's a word that means ruler or commander. All translators that I looked at think that he's talking about Satan, the father of darkness. His name was Lucifer, son of the morning. When he fell into sin, it became Satan, the father of darkness. And Jesus said, you, talking about men of his day, you are of your father, the devil. So he described him as the father, and that father is the devil, Paul describes him as the prince or the ruler or commander. You could translate that word prince as ruler. That's probably a more accurate translation. According to the ruler of the power of the air. When he uses the word power, it's exousia. It's not dunamis, but exousia, and it's authority. And not Satan alone, but collectively all the demons who are under him, according to the prince of the power of the air. Him and all of his legion of demons are all about, and they have a certain amount of authority in this world. Now, I know this is hard, because when you think about Grandma, she is so kind, so sweet, so gentle, and yet she didn't know the gospel. She believed in a free will system to think of her being under the influence of the authority of the air. It's just unthinkable. But Paul goes that far to go to say that not only did you live according to the dictates in the course of this world, but also the power of the air. What does he mean, the power of the air, the authority of the air? Well, the word air is just about a literal translation. In the Greek, it is alpha, iota, rho. So that would be like our A and our I and our R. So air, the air. But you need to understand that it's a word that stands in contrast to the word for sky. Sky is almost the same, but he adds a theta in the middle of it, our TH, and because so it becomes athar. And so it's air opposed to sky. And he's not talking about the sky that we can see up here. 
He's talking about the air that is all about us. He gives a picture. It's a picture word. So this authority of the demons is all about us is what he's saying. If I really want to know what a word means, I go to this particular dictionary. And this is the definition that this dictionary gave of this. It said it's the word of the kingdom of the air in which the spirit beings live. So he is picturing the world around us as being a spiritual world. Figuratively, it is the air about us, the very oxygen that we take into our bodies, but it's figurative. Figuratively, it speaks of Satan and the forces that are all around us and surround us. Figuratively, it is the air that is invisible as these demons are invisible to us. We cannot see them, but we are living in a spiritual world. And if you forget that, if you stop thinking about that, or if you deny it, then you have missed the very point that he is making, and you've missed a major point. You're dead in trespasses and sins. That's number one. Number two, you walked according to the course of this world. You don't think you did, but you were influenced by the religion that was all around you. Whatever you did, however it worked for you, I could go back and tell you about me, but I can tell you without doubt when I look at it, I lived according to the course of this world. Number three, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. That's going to be our next one, but it is the children of disobedience. What does he mean by that? It can't get any worse, but it does. When he talks about the spirit, I don't think it's another way of referring to Satan. When he talks about the spirit, he is talking about the thinking and the disposition that is in all of those who are not born from above. The spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. That spirit, a further description of us outside of Christ. The spirit that now works. The word works is the word for energy. Energo is the word. It is a active word and it means to be at work. It means energizing. It's talking about the culture's influences. The culture's influences upon us. The culture's influences are mighty. You and I are products of a long age of thinking. We are out of the Renaissance, for one thing. We're out of the Industrial Revolution. Now we're a part of the Technical Revolution. And everybody walks around with these little things in their hands, and they're looking at it and punching things. You think that doesn't have influence on people? It does. Pornography is available just like that. Don't have to buy magazines anymore. It's available just right in your hand. Lyrics in music, you think they can influence you? They do. That's what he's talking about. Of course, he didn't have those things. He didn't have a handheld device to talk about. But he's talking about the spirit that now works, energizes, influences within us. Influences are powerful. Temptations are powerful. The pull to be in free will religion is mighty upon us. 
We all wish our building was full. I wish every seat in here was full so I could preach to a large number of people. I would love that. But we have people come and we have people go. They sit and they listen just a little while and then they are gone. The influence of this, of this world are tremendous. It works, energizes. But notice it's in the children of disobedience. The word children is not really the word children. It's translated children, but it's actually sons. Weos is the Greek word. And it's sons, and then he's going to change to children over here in the next verse. But here it's the sons of disobedience. Disobedience, what is that word? Where you have the word obedient, and then they put a alpha negative on the beginning of it, so it's not obedient. So they cannot be obedient. How could they be obedient? They're dead. How could they be obedient? They walk according to the course of the world. How could they be obedient? They walking under the prince of the power of the air. How could they be obedient? They are children, sons of disobedience. If to understand that word, maybe it's best to put it in contrast to obedience. Paul begins the book of Romans with talking about them being obedient to the faith. And he closes the book of Romans with talking about them being obedient to the faith. And that word that he uses for obedience is eupako. That's maybe the word to way to translate it. And it's, it means a responsive obedience. And it is a parallel to what he's going to refer to here to the children of wrath here in just a moment where he uses a different word. Instead of weos for sons, it's tikna for children. But it's building and it's describing this death. Look in verse number three. Among whom also, among is the Greek word in. I've used it lots of times. And it means in the sphere of, in the sphere of, or in the connection with. In the sphere of, meaning in the sphere of air. In the sphere of this air that's all around us. In this sphere, we also had our conversation. So among whom, among whom also, in the sphere of. At one time we lived in among and had the values and the religion of this age. We all, Jews and Gentiles, same plane, in times past, pote, a particle of the past, at one time. Translated, for example, in the New American Standard Bible, formerly. Or in Young's literal translation, we all did or in the Amplified Version, once, among whom also we all had. So there is the meaning. We all had in time past. Therefore, if you can see that, we all were the same. You see the necessity then of the Spirit of God to sovereignly awake. You see the necessity of repentance. What is repentance? It's the change of the mind, a radical change of the mind. If you don't ever have a radical change of the mind, there's no repentance. And repentance is always going to be the result of spiritual awakening. There's the necessity of conversion. What is conversion? It is the resolute change of direction. It's going one direction and turn and go another. The Spirit of God awakens you and you have a radical change of mind. And that leads to a resolute change of direction. 
we all had our conversation. Conversation is a word that means our manner of life. It's the Greek word, two of them, about and to turn. So it's to turn about. And it's a way of looking this way, looking that way, looking front, looking back. He's talking about the way we lived, our conversation. It's from childhood to adulthood. You have a certain personality. I'm glad you do. And that personality is different from your sisters, different from your brothers. It's different from your mom, from your dad. Personality is involved in this. It has behavioral influences. How were you reared? Where did you live? We lived in lots of places, so I have lots of behavioral influences upon me. How do you think? How did you act? All of your decisions. Paul means the way you behave yourselves. Among whom also we all had our manner of life. Again, he says, in times past. He still goes back to the past, just like in verse 2. In the past you walked. He's talking about the way you lived, what you did. Now here it is, in the lust of our flesh. What is the word lust? It's the Greek word epithumia. It's desires, it's cravings, it's passions, it's our inclinations, it's our unruly desires, our evil desires. I like to think of it by that little phrase, unruly desires. You can't get a handle on them, hard to stop them. You see with your eyes and you have a lust. You want something you shouldn't have. You see somebody who has something and you have an instantaneous jealousy for having what they have. You see somebody prettier or better looking or has a car that you would like to have. An immediate response to that is a lust. It's an unruly desire. Jesus spoke of this, talking about the lust of other things entering in, or the lust of your father, as I've already quoted. Paul says in Romans 1, the lust of your own heart, men with men and women with women, working that which is unseemly or shameless or an indecent is the meaning of that word. Paul talks in chapter 4 of Ephesians, corrupt according to deceitful Lust. Oh, this word lust. It's a strong word. The lust of our flesh. Sarkos is the Greek word. Physically. It's used of Jesus. The word Jesus became flesh. Jesus in Romans 8 and 3, he condemned sin in the flesh. But here it's used metaphorically. Metaphorically of the fallen, sinful, and lower nature. The lust of our flesh. The lust come from the flesh. Flesh comes second here in words. But lust, the flesh is the root and the lust are the fruit from the flesh. So it's these unruly desires that come from the flesh. It's the part of man that is fallen and sinful, the lower nature. It's that willing instrument of sin. It is that part of us that is ever at enmity with God. We're always at enmity with God and our minds have to constantly be brought back, constantly called. Then go on another step. Can't get any worse, can it? Fulfilling, fulfilling. That word fulfilling is to make or to do. Here it's doing, doing the desires of the flesh 
and of the mind. The word desires is the word thelema, and it's the word that means wishes. The wishes of the flesh and of the mind. The word of mind is the intellect, the understanding. It's the seed of our feelings and of our thoughts. Paul is declaring, of course, sin is beyond acts. It is also in our thoughts. The person who suggests that they can be without sin, they have no understanding of themselves. They have no understanding of what the Bible is saying to us. They have no understanding, certainly, of the depth of these words. Our flesh, our lower nature, and our mind, oh, it's fallen. The person who suggests that does not understand. But Paul uses this word, for example, 118 here of Ephesians, the eyes of your understanding. That word understanding is this same word for mind. And in 418, he says the understanding or the mind is darkened. In Colossians 1.22, he says, The enemy of your mind by wicked works. The mind is a precious gift. We must labor to use our mind wisely, use it smartly, use it in a spiritual way. Now, there's one more thing that is here. This gives us our five things. And we're by nature children of wrath. We're by nature children of wrath. What does the word nature mean? Nature. Fusos is the word, and it means nature or natural order. It's people in their natural condition. It's what we are innately by birth. He went all the way back, having talked about all these other things, what we did in our adolescence, what we did in our adult life. And now he goes all the way back to the beginning when we were born. And were by nature the children of wrath. It's what people are in their natural state prior to enlightenment, prior to regeneration, prior to calling. It is by nature, by birth, by practice. Children of wrath. People who are objects of God's wrath. Wrath. The punishment is due them, and that punishment is future. David recognized this. David said, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Now, David wasn't saying that his mother was a woman of whoredom. He wasn't saying she was a bad woman, worse than others. No doubt David loved his mother like all of us do. But he looked back and he said, uh, he said, just like others, just like others, I was born into this world into iniquity. And I was conceived in sin. And he traced it back then, even as others going back to all the way back to our first father. That's why I say he comes close to talking about tracing this back to Adam. And I think he does, but I think he does it in a metaphorical, sort of a veiled way. The elect of God are just as deserving of God's wrath as the reprobate. Think about that now. We are just as deserving of God's wrath as the reprobate. Paul asked in Romans 3 and 9, are we better than they? He could be saying, are we Jews better than those Gentiles? He could be doing that. I'm not going to say it's not. But I think it's more likely that he, because he's talked about the Gentiles, he's talked about the Jews. Are we, we who believe the gospel, are we better than the Gentiles and the Jews? 
And he says, by no means are we better. Because he says, I've already before proved that the Jews and the Gentiles are all under sin. So were we. This one thing, this one thing strips us of all vestiges of pride. One of the things that justification at, by, in connection with the cross does, it puts us all on level ground. We're all the same. Whether you're in the pulpit preaching or you're listening, that makes no difference. What God did in Christ at the cross puts us all the same. So Paul goes ahead to say, let every mouth be stopped that all the world may become guilty before God. One more little thing here and I'll stop. Even as others. But it's better to translate that word even as the rest. So think about it. In verse number one, he said you. In verse number three, he said we. In verse number three, at the end, he said the rest. You, we, the rest. There is no difference. He is setting this in the darkest of night. So the light of the glory of the gospel will shine as bright as it possibly can. So I'll tell you what we'll talk about, the Lord willing, next time. Verse 4, but God, who is rich in mercy, just like the Spirit of God that put flesh on those bones and breathed His life into them to give them life. But God, who is rich in mercy, and His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. Righteousness earned. Righteousness accepted. Righteousness imputed. That is our only hope. What awakening does, it causes us to look at it and look away from ourselves. This is all my hope and peace. This is all my righteousness. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. 